I don't know how they lost count on it, but they think it was the 20th Radio Inc. forecast event in New York City. And it was fun, and I'll talk a little bit about that, but genuinely it was wash, rinse, repeat. But was there open bar? Well, there's always an open bar. Makes it worthwhile. (laughs) Sorry that you're a TV network affiliate, because the golden days apparently are over, Keith. But what's next? We'll talk about that. And one final word on the really surprising, stunning Disney C-Suite debacle with Bob Iger. And uh, we've got a couple of thoughts on that. So, good morning. We'd like to welcome you back for another edition of Media Insultant. Our ideas and opinions and off the cuff and, frankly, often off the mark. But, you know, we try. (laughs) Uh, Primarily, we hope for the benefit of uh, our friends in the radio and TV sales and management side of the industry. I'm Jackson Weaver in the Pacific Northwest, uh, back from uh, Thanksgiving break, and uh, we um, we took a whole week off, and it was just great. But now we're heading into the rest of the holidays and back to doing Media Insultant. My co-host, Keith Samuels, is uh, next to me on the screen. He seems to have recovered from turkey, football games, and imported scotch. Uh, so. uh, yes, and let the hits keep hitting, because uh, we've got lots of leftovers, and there's still some scotch left in the bottle, so... Yeah, we'll continue on to the holidays, but thank you very much. Good to be back, buddy. Missed you last week. Yeah, nice to be back. And uh, we do this every Tuesday and Thursday, or Tuesday and Friday. So today, we'd like to welcome you to the Tuesday, November 29th episode of Media Insultant. So, Keith. I guess gathering the family around the table, having a Thanksgiving meal, the turkey, the stuffing, the cranberry, the fine red wines, all of that has kind of gone passe. Because it seems by the figures you were talking about, everybody's watching football. Yeah, yeah. The good news about having a football game on is that you don't have to spend a lot of time talking, you know, to, uh, you know, your Gen Z and millennial kids. <clears throat> and um, and their amazing grandchildren that they've provided all of us, so that's great too. But oh no, there is that you did have a chance to do that. But apparently, <clears throat> over the weekend, we watched football like never before. Um, Fox is celebrating because their Thanksgiving Day game between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants had forty-two million viewers. So you combine their streaming views and their linear views for forty-two million. And it was the most watched regular season football game in the history of NFL on network television. Amazing. That's amazing. 42 million people. Crazy big numbers. Crazy. The other game, the primetime game between the Patriots and the Vikings, which you'd go yawn, no big deal, on NBC, had 26 million viewers, which made it the second most watched primetime Thanksgiving game in history. So, you know, watching football, American football, as opposed to that Euro kicky ball thing that's also on <laughs> you know, at the World Cup, is is become a vital part of our, of our holiday experience. And believe me, I was one of those 42 million. I was one of those 26 million. Uh, it was a great weekend for watching football. Then, and then the college games over the weekend were even better. It was great. It was just... It was just all American football weekend. What can you say? And 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 it's fortunately, our guys at Fox and NBC 
and uh, and CBS and all the guys that were carrying games, ESPN, cleaned up, I'm sure. They don't have to run any make goods. They hit all their ratings goals. Big weekend. They over-delivered, for sure. Now, that's, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that football had taken on that kind of an impact in, in a holiday period, but... Hey, before we took a uh, break uh, here at Media Insultant, uh, I headed back to New York for the Radio Inc., RBR, TVBR, which all of those are essentially owned by Streamline, uh, Eric Rhodes' company, for their annual forecast in New York. And it's a one-day affair. We talked about it a little bit uh, leading up to it. It's at the Harvard Club, which is as Tony as you would expect. Uh, I did make the the mistake of uh, taking some pictures at the bar and the bartender started yelling at me. He says, you can't take pictures in here. Get out of here. You can't do- do that. Really? I guess, yeah, I guess they take their privacy pretty seriously. So Wow. Well, there were there were people taking pictures from uh, from Radio Inc. and RBR because I saw those online. In fact, I saw you in a couple of those pictures. And nobody, nobody cares about that. They, apparently, being caught in the bar with another woman might uh, be, might oh. be a, a, a problem for them. So just to quickly recap it, uh, Deborah Parente, who's the publisher of all of these trades, did a, a great job. She has this down. She's got it to a science, layout, flow, that kind of thing. Fabulous food and drinks. Pacing was excellent. Just great. Uh, I, in terms of content, i got to tell you there were a couple of holes. First of all, I don't need to be told to be local again. You know, how many times can you hear that? Oh, no. You were yeah. told to be local again? Local, yeah. What was I going to be? National? I, I was going to be network. I was going to. We got to be local. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I've heard it for. I've heard it for twenty five years and and thirty years, and it just you know it just continues. But you know, as the other thing that I had a little bit of a complaint with, and I said, verbalized this to Deborah, is I said, you know, some of the people I really wanted to talk to, you know, you got a hundred people in the room, hundred fifty people in the room. It'd be really nice to be able to have a conversation with people like Curtis Legate at the NAB or Jeff Smullyan or Gordon Burrell. You know, these are people I really had had some questions. Yeah, the, the agenda was the agenda was chock full with great top name guests with lots of great things to say, and, and they parachute in, say those things, and leave. So uh, now the real uh, bummer was Randy Michaels, who we were really looking forward to hearing what he'd have to say because he's always so entertaining. He was hospitalized, so uh, yeah, and bum, bummer for us, and probably a bigger bummer for him. But I got to tell you, the most interesting guy there—you would love this guy. His name is Dewan McCoy, and he owns two TV stations in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, good market, and, sure. Yeah. yeah, and basically what he said, and you could just see everybody's face, uh, particularly the TV guys, just kind of drop. He said, forget OTA, forget over the air, it just doesn't matter anymore. He said, you got to focus on your digital content, your website. Your individual stories, streaming. He put together a podcast network. He's done all of this, and his point is that's where it's going to be. People are going to watch the newscast streaming. They're not going to watch it over the air. They're not right. going to watch prime time shows on your OTA signal. They're going to watch it on their own CTV or OTT kind of a source. And he was really very emphatic about it, and he's doing well. And I, I won't remember the figures, but you know, tens of millions of page views on his website, and that's what he's focused on selling. He's selling the impressions he's getting, regardless of where they are. And and I thought he did he did a fabulous job. And frankly, same lesson you and I have talked about for radio: stream or die. 
streaming is going to be the ultimate way that our media is going to transition into. I, this I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was podcast or die. Uh, yeah. Well, there. Okay, but that too. That, that, that too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that that would be part of it. And of course, the best part was seeing old friends and uh, meeting new people. And and uh, RBR's editor Adam Jacobson and I wandered over to Long Island City, and he introduced me to some of the best Mexican food I've had in a long time in New York City. So. Wow. What can I say? So, where is Long Island City on Long Island, or is that a new district of the of, of Manhattan that I don't? I no, don't no, know it's about. off. It's off the island. You take you take the subway over, and it's it literally is on Long Island. There is a city there called Long Island City. Okay. You can see Manhattan in the distance, but uh, it's Long Island City now. And so, hey. but t- but tell me about you, you. You met a fascinating couple in line at the bar. You were telling me about. I guess one of those one of those serendipitous moments at a, an event like this. Where you're probably disappointed because Ashlock and Pittman and Burrell and Schmolian are all, you know, parachuting in and blowing uh-huh. out. Um, but uh, the guy that runs EMF is that? Yeah, I ran, ran into Bill. Uh, Bill Reeves is president of EMF. He and his wife were there, and we sat down and had a very interesting chat. And of course, you know, he's he's the uh, CEO of the largest radio company by station number in the country. I think they've got over a thousand stations. Yeah, yeah. And um, just very interesting chatting with him. Uh, he lives in Nashville. Uh, lovely couple, and uh, just really interesting listening to his point of view about the radio business and where it's going on his point. So, yeah, it was a good time, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll do it again next year. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Okay, our next story, Keith is way above the pay grade, uh, but oh. I think it offers uh, some lessons for any media company. And, and, of course, what I'm talking about is the CEO change at Disney. Bob Iger had retired almost three years ago, and he appointed a new, his hand-chosen CEO replacement, became known as Bob Two. Poor guy. Yeah, Bob, Bob Chappick. Bob yep. Chappick. Yep. And it just wasn't working out very well. So the board, in a stunning move, replaced Chappick with Iger. They asked him to return for two years. And I looked at this and I thought, you know, there's there's got to be a couple of lessons in this. And maybe the biggest one is when you leave, leave. Don't stick around. Iger stuck around to consult his replacement. And you can imagine the the, the friction that gets developed there. Well, I would have done it this way. And I think another thing that's really a factor in this is... Um, is you got to be real careful of your hubris. You know, Iger was very successful in a 20-year run, but the business was so different. It's just changed in the last four or five years. His cash came out of TV, came out of theatrical, came out of uh, ESPN. Now, right. get, there were other divisions that contributed, but those were the huge drivers that he had. Oh, yeah, something called theme parks probably contributed a little bit. Well, too. and that theme parks obviously is very big, and that's where Chappick came out of. But the point is, is that it's changed a lot. And Iger comes back in, and and suddenly ESPN has lost thirty percent of their subscribers. And theatricals, you know, unless they're tent poles, they're just not much of a business there. And TV, well, we've talked about what's going on in the TV business. So, I think it's uh, I think you got to be really careful when you depart to think that you could go back and do it better. And, yeah, yeah. And as, well, as we, you know, and, and and the thing about you know this was this was massive news in L.A. Okay, the weekend before Thanksgiving, this was this was massive news, as you can imagine. This is seismic. This was like this is what this town is all about: entertainment, and to have <clears throat> this change happen very suddenly, and it caught everybody off guard. 
that all of a sudden on a Sunday, uh, you know, the the, uh, the 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 chairman of the board of directors is you know the lead director is calling Bob Iger asking him to come back, um, and he accepts. You know, was like massive news. Yeah, a couple of things. Of a couple of things is one one a bit of disclaimer because Bob Iger is technically, I guess, uh, theoretically, my daughter's boss because my daughter works for Pixar. Um, <clears throat> so I'm part. I'm, she's part of the Disney family. Uh, and the other part of it is, and by the way, she's really thrilled about this. Um, and by the way, the other part of this thing about this is that uh, uh, Iger has been kind of chirping away privately about his replacement. So this was not a shock when it was announced. It was shocking that it was announced, but then not a shock because people were going, yeah, he's been kind of ragging on Chappick ever since he got the job. Um, and apparently it comes down, I think, one part of the, the, the argument about bringing Iger back is that Iger, Iger is really, really well respected by the creative community, by the, by the people doing the creative projects. That's the movies, the new attractions, the, the new TV shows, the new streaming product, all that kind of stuff. Where Chappick was more of an ops guy. He was, he was out of the parks division and also ran, I think, their um, uh, merchandise division as well. So the, the, creatives, the creatives are thrilled uh, to a point. But the pressure's on because, you know, Lightyear didn't perform as what they'd hoped it would do uh, this summer. Um, you know, Smart World or whatever the movie was that came out over uh, Thanksgiving weekend has been a box office disaster. They're really hoping that Iger rejuvenates and reinvigorates the creative side of Disney and at the same time uses his problem-solving skills and his talent to be able to save or at least stabilize ESPN and and the streaming service a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a, um, uh, a crazy time in Hollywood. Iger's back. Um, by the way, Bob's wife, Willow Bay, is the uh, chair of the she's she she's the dean of the Annenberg School of Communications at USC. So, just you know, just so you know. So I guess Willow probably didn't want Bob hanging around the house much more than he needed to. So you know, time to get him a gig back. You know, while well, she runs the uh, the Annenberg School at USC, but you know, I think it's I think you know Iger's a brilliant guy, and I think this is this is a real difficult job at a very difficult time, and they need that guy back for a little while anyway, and then uh, go from there. However, what about the next person that takes that gig, Jackson? This is like following a legend twice, you know. So, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do next? You know. Well, you know, it took Microsoft a couple of times to, after Bill Gates stepped down, to find a brilliant CEO. I think it just takes some distance where the personality of that person doesn't dominate the company so much. You know, it's like Ed Christian at Saga to come back to our business on the radio side of things. You know, uh, Chris Forge is replacing him as CEO, and I have every bit of faith in Chris. But he's got some really big dancing shoes to step into. Yeah, and yeah. that kind of role has a lot of loose shoelaces. And I think it uh, it's going to be a real challenge for Chris. It would be for anybody, but it particularly is stepping in, following somebody like Ed Christian. Well, yeah, and you know, when you have a, a charismatic, longtime charismatic leader in charge, you know, it took a while for Disney to recover when Walt died. Yeah. You know, so yeah. this isn't the first time Disney's had issues, you know, leadership change issues, you know, because then it went to Roy and then I think Roy died, and then it, and then they they brought well then they brought in Don Tatum, uh, who was 
Walt's attorney, and and he ran the company for a while, you know. And then remember, it just kind of just faded along, just hang in there. And then and then I, you know, then uh, um, you know, Eisner comes in, changes the whole thing, and they're rocking and rolling. And then Iger comes in after that, and so it's not easy, for, you know. You know, leadership continuity uh, is is just so difficult in business, and uh, we're seeing an example of it here. Well, one final note. Uh, I own some stock in Disney. I hope it works. So, mm. And by the way, uh, your daughter working for Pixar does not in any way mean that we have compromised our integrity by changing anything editorially about Pixar. So I just want to be clear. Now, we are open yes, to sir. bribes and to under-the-table cash payments. But nothing else changes. No, yeah, okay. nothing else. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, Okay, I admit go. to being a uh, lover of local TV stations. Um, and being a uh, local network affiliate just was a surefire way to get to the bank. I, I, I don't know if I told you this story, <laughs> but in the 80s, uh, up until the mid-80s, really, TV stations had to report financials to the FCC. And uh, in the mid-80s, there wasn't a single VHF network television station in America that lost money. They all made money. It was a cash cow like you can't believe. Well, today, not quite so much because being a network affiliate just isn't what it used to be. And we talked with Ed a little bit about this in his OTT discussion. I mean, it used to be that being a network affiliate, you had Prime, you had sports programming, you've got retrans you get from cable and satellite. I mean, they're just... Strong local news. You got the strong local news. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 And that's... And and these stations were very successful, very influential, did a great job. But, you know, today... Prime time is when you want it. Sports is still pretty solid for these guys, but it's getting a little tethered because it's getting spread out, and then you have people like Dis- or like uh, Amazon coming in and taking Thursday night NFL, which is their nose under the edge of the of the tent. <laughs> which which the local teams affiliate gets to carry the game, just in case you don't have you you don't have Amazon Prime, Prime. Yeah. right exactly <laughs> and you know as 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 time has it goes on it just it gets to be tougher and tougher and retrans you know I talking to a guy the other day who runs a group who said for the first year they are projecting less retrans revenue next year than last year so mm-hmm. that yeah, cash yeah. cow is going to go away yeah, yeah. I mean right. you know just my my takeaway on it is the ecosystem is crumbling networks have less and less value to give to the local affiliates retrans is going away and as we talked about the other day ott is making a tremendous impact on the way local ad budgets are spending their money so yeah yeah. well you know and jackson you bring up this is an interesting dilemma uh, for a business that's stuck in a model that was developed back in the 40s because as the television networks developed and became CBS and ABC and NBC as we now know them, but back in the day they were limited as to how many television stations they could own, right? That's correct. So you know, and that and they're still under that limitation. So you know, CBS, ABC, NBC, they still own what eight, twelve television stations. No, there, there, there's no limit to the number of stations you can own. You just can't exceed thirty nine percent. Yes, of the right. But but th- those networks have not gone out and 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 bought 
groups of stations. That is correct. Yes, that's mostly so. Yeah. So um, you know, so th- this was a this was the radio model applied to TV, where you had limited number of stations you could own, and you. So the way you grew was that you went out and found affiliates, and you know you paid the affiliates compensation. You know that bottle has been around as long. You know it's older than me and you. So now you have this kind of change in. In, in the group ownership structure where you have Sinclair and Tegna and Nexstar, these groups are bigger than the networks. Yeah. These affiliates, these groups of affiliates, because Sinclair doesn't own CBS and NBC, you know, and Tegna doesn't own NBC. They own their own station groups. Those station groups now are so big that they, they now are changing the game in terms of how their relationship is with networks, but also how it is when they do their own content uh, development and distribution. They care, they're developing their own network, if you will, amongst their station group for news content, for other, other entertainment content, and so forth. So the model is kind of in flux right now. And so you just being a small group guy that has a couple of stations in Indianapolis, and one of them's a CW, and you might have a you know might be a, a CBS affiliate or whatever. Yeah, this is really affecting you because you're not getting the retrans that you used to get. You're not getting the network comp that you used to get. You're not getting the ratings you used to get. But I think we're seeing this business consolidate it to the point where these bigger groups are not going to need the networks as they used to. That's right. I agree. They're with going that. to rely less on them, and they're going to take the, the their future success into their own hands. Oh, but still, we'll love clearing all your NFL football. We'll love clearing, uh, you know, uh, you know the the Academy Awards and you know this and that. But well, some of the tent poles, but yeah, the tent poles. But other than that, you know, we're going to do our own thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. All right. Well, that is another episode of Media Insultant, and another twenty minutes of life you'll never you'll never get back. But we appreciate you joining. <laughs> Uh, we will be back on Friday. We have a special episode called Street View, where Ed Steenman of Ed Steenman Associates is going to join us to talk about OTT video and how it's sold on the street today. So join Ed and both of us yeah, on Friday yeah. for that episode of Media Insultant. We bring you a new episode each Tuesday and a Friday on all the podcasting platforms. Video is on Vimeo under the Media Insultant Showcase. So, Keith, if we've got any comments, there we'd love to hear from you, Jackson at InTownMedia.com, or just ping us on a LinkedIn posting. We can always get some good feedback there. Love it. And that's it for um, that's <laughs> it for our Tuesday episode of Media Insultant. Let's uh, get together and do this again Friday with Ed. That'll be a fun episode to have. Yep, and great to have you back, Jackson. Glad you survived Forecast, and um, we'll look forward to having Ed back on. He's always terrific. Absolutely. See you then, buddy. Thanks.